Hello, and welcome back to 365 Days with MXM Tune. I'm Maya, a singer, songwriter, video maker, and women's rights advocate. I'm also a huge history nerd. I love untold stories, gross facts, hidden secrets, and anything weird, dark, and inspiring from the past. So each day, I'm going to share some of my favorite deep cuts with you. So let's dig into today's stories. It's 365 with MXM Tune. New facts every day, so don't leave too soon. I'm gonna teach you stuff, no, it won't be tough. Gonna go a year till you've had enough. It's 365. Before we get into what we're talking about for today, I just want to give a quick trigger warning that today's story does include depictions of violence. So if you're uncomfortable with it, don't worry about it. You can skip this one and we'll be back tomorrow. All right, let's dig into it. Today in 2012, Malala Yousafzai was shot three times by a Taliban gunman. She was on her school bus in Northwest Pakistan. Though this story is now known worldwide as the beginning of Malala's becoming a women's rights and education activist, let's look back to how something so horrifying happened in the first place. Malala was just 15 on the day that changed not only her whole life, but the course of history. She grew up in the Swat Valley, which once upon a time was called the Switzerland of Pakistan. It could be taken for paradise. Mountains surrounding the area, the climate is temperate and lovely, and it's dotted with jewel blue lakes. Photos remind me of a national park. It's close to the capital of Pakistan, Islamabad, and for many years, it was peaceful. It was an area known for its education. It was one of the first areas where girls were educated as far back as the late 1920s, and record numbers of doctors and teachers were educated in SWAT, and literacy was higher in the region than any surrounding areas. But after 9-11 and the U.S. invasion of Afghanistan, trauma swept through the region and things became far less idyllic. Anti-Western sentiment spread through Pakistan, and that included anger about women in education. Broadcasts played on the radio, threatening punishments to people who went against local traditions, and threatening women's education. As 2008 was coming to a close, Taliban leader Mullah Fazlullah threatened violence against schools unless all female education ceased before year's end. People took threats from the Taliban seriously. The Sunni Islamic fundamentalist movement are known for their stringent interpretation of Sharia law, which is the very traditional interpretation of Islamic religion. With the help of her father, who ran a school, Malala started a blog, Diary of a Pakistani Schoolgirl. She talked about her hope for the future of education, her fear about the changes in her region, and women's rights. It helped her articulate her fears of losing her access to education and being forced into a life of housekeeping and motherhood. In the beginning, the blog was anonymous, but Malala also spoke publicly about her beliefs, like in an interview with television presenter Hamid Mir in 2009. This publicity made it so that Malala was well-known as a young activist within her region, which put her in danger in the traumatized area. Malala and her father, Ziaudin, Both became targets of violence due to their activism and public profiles. Before the shooting, people feared more for Ziaudin because the Taliban weren't known to target children. That changed on October 9th. Masked gunmen stopped and boarded Malala's school bus and yelled, Where is Malala? The two girls sitting nearest her looked in her direction, which alerted the gunmen to her identity. She was shot on the left side of her head. Help didn't arrive at the bus for ten minutes. When the children finally reached the hospital, Malala had bled so much that doctors thought four girls had been shot instead of one. 
The bullet that hit Malala's head had traveled down her neck and stuck in her back. She was airlifted to the best hospital in Pakistan, in Peshawar, but even there her condition quickly deteriorated. Scans showed that her brain was swelling and needed to be immediately operated upon. The surgery was dangerous, it could have left her paralyzed, but thankfully, it was a success. However, her post-op care wasn't up to bar, and she fell back into danger. First, she moved to a military hospital in Islamabad, then to the Queen Elizabeth Hospital in Birmingham, England. That's where she woke up, ten days after the attack. By that time, Malala's story had blown up and people all over the world were praying for her recovery. At first, she couldn't speak and had to point at letters on a board to communicate. The first word she communicated was country. She wanted to know where she was. The next word was father. She wanted to know where he was. Doctors told her he was arriving soon from Pakistan. She was kept in the hospital for care and observation for three months. Eventually, her whole family moved from Pakistan and they relocated to the UK. Instead of staying away from the public eye, she decided to continue her activism and fight for girls in their education all over the world. With her father, she established the Malala Fund, a charity for girls' education, for which she eventually received the Nobel Peace Prize. Malala came back swinging after her intense traumas. On her 16th birthday, she gave a UN address to millions of viewers. Young girls everywhere look to her as a sign of hope and for the future of feminism. Malala's public profile and prominence has only risen in the years since. In 2013, she co-wrote and published I Am Malala, an autobiography that became an international bestseller. She's been the subject of an Oscar-nominated documentary and has been featured as a global influencer in three consecutive issues of Time magazine. Just this summer, Malala completed her degree in philosophy, politics, and economics at Oxford. She's only 22, but she clearly has a long life of activism ahead of her. It would be an honor to meet her one day. For a little levity to the end of the day, let's talk about my music fact. In 1981, the Rolling Stones played a show at the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. Prince played a supporting act. And in classic Prince fashion, he was dressed in bikini briefs and a trench coat. He was booed offstage after 15 minutes. Different fan bases, I guess. And for today's last segment, I'm going to be looking at my own photo archives to see what I was up to on an October 9th in my life. So I doubt I will have an interesting fact to share every single day on this podcast, but I was looking back and it looks like I just went and got boba. That's like in 2018, I went and got boba. Not even that exciting, but there it is. If, if you guys also get boba and consider that an exciting part of your day, let me know. And you guys actually should tweet to me what your favorite boba order is because I need new recommendations. And that's all for today's episode of 365 Days with MXM Tune. Thank you all for tuning in time and time again. If you like this podcast, make sure you subscribe to it and you can follow at 365 Days MXM Tune on all platforms to keep up to date as we release new episodes. Thanks so much for listening and I will talk to you tomorrow. It's 365 with MXM Tune. New facts every day, so... Don't leave too soon, I'm gonna teach you stuff No, it won't be tough, gonna go a year till you've had enough It's three, six